Good evening, everybody. I barely made it. <laughs> Welcome to Turfgrass Epistemology. My name is Travis Shaddix. Thank you all for joining me tonight. I see some people are already in here. Going to have a good evening tonight. We are going to be talking about some thatch in a minute. Can, uh, can thatch management come in a bottle? Yes, it can. Good night, everybody. Have a good evening. No, um, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about a, uh, one of the papers about 15, 20 years ago came out and it was a sort of a, it wasn't a pilot study, but it was sort of an a, a expanded pilot study that led into other papers, which we're also going to talk about in the future. Uh, before we get to that though, um, we're going to um, talk about an article on CNN Talk about some correlation and causation, things like that. Have a little fun with it tonight. So I hope everybody's doing well. Super TA329 and Jackson Bud, Jeremy Bosch, Gray Fox, a lot of familiar names, Chuck, Western Math, Mass, Todd Lowe. Is that the Todd Lowe from Florida or is that coincidental? So I see a, a, lot, of, a lot of people who are already. I have a next week or no, next week's Thanksgiving, but I'll let you know, I have on the hook an author who is going to make me extremely nervous if he, he apparently he's going to come on the week after, I hope the week after Thanksgiving, but I'm going to do, I don't do hardly any preparation for this show as you probably can tell. <laughs> I do my best, uh, but I got a life and I'm busy doing stuff, you know, and I like doing these things, but sometimes I run late. I was at the ice rink, you know, an hour ago. Now I'm, now I'm here doing this stuff, but, um, uh, but for him coming on, if he comes on in a couple of weeks, I'm going to do some serious homework because this, if, if I can get this gentleman on, uh, if you want to see Travis Shaddix get nervous, you will see it on that night because, uh, he is a pillar of the turf grass science community and, and, uh, he, he mentioned he could come on. We're just trying to work out a date. So I'll leave it, leave it ambiguous for now. Cause there's always a chance he can't make it, but, um, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that, uh, that he can come on because, uh, so there are certain people in our industry, turf grass science, when they talk, you just shut your mouth and listen because you're going to learn something. And, um, you know, every second or minute they can give you to, to, help you and to educate you you better absorb it because it's not going to be here forever so uh and he's one of those people so i'm hoping he he can work it in his schedule to come on so that look forward to that in a couple weeks um for tonight uh if you're new to the channel um generally i'll go over a scientific article this is turfgrass epistemology so we're on the search for uh, how we know what we know about turfgrass science and one of the best ways to, to know how we know is to review the scientific literature and see what evidence exists in the uh, refereed papers. And that's what we do here. We, we try to go through the papers and, and interpret it in a, in a uh, easy, more easily understandable way than sometimes is often written in scientific literature. Uh, we go through that, but occasionally I'll come across an article that I find particularly interesting to me. It doesn't mean it'll be interesting to you, but for some reason it strikes me as being interesting. So sometimes, sometimes I'll go over those articles. And tonight's one of those nights. So uh, without further ado, let's bring up the internet and take a look at when an article I came across. I think it was today. Yeah, it was Wednesday, November 15th. And now, as you know, if you're new, 
you you won't know, but it, the people who've been here, they know uh, technologically, I am about as incompetent as one can be. So if something screws up and I don't get the right screen on here, don't crucify me. Uh, but there's an article today in, on CNN and it's called Common Pesticides in Food Reducing Sperm Count Worldwide, study says. So, you know, pesticides and its influence on uh, human health, as you all know, uh, I've been a human most of my entire life. And if it's influencing human well-being, I would like to know about it. So this, this topic came up, or I see this title come up, so I read the article. I'm going to read through it pretty quickly here, and then I'm going to use it as an example to explain a, um, a potential flaw in reasoning. So let's read through this real quick. Pesticides used in our home gardens and lawns are sprayed on food we eat, and sprayed on foods we eat are contributing to a dramatic decline in sperm count among men worldwide, according to a new analysis of studies over the last 50 years. Over the course of 50 years, sperm concentration has fallen about 50% around the world, said senior study author Melissa Perry, dean of the college. Oh, so she is a dean. I looked her up. I didn't realize this article actually identified her as the dean, but I re- thought she was the dean of the, uh, at, uh, at uh, George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia, and she is. So it says right here in the article, so she's the dean. What is not known is the culprit, Perry said. While there are likely many more contributing causes, our study demonstrates a strong association between two common insecticides, organophosphates and N-methylcarbamates, and the decline of sperm con- concentration. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if I need to read through the whole thing necessarily, but it basically talks. The article talks about um, these particular pesticides being used in agriculture as well as in um, the building industry. Uh, it's, it's used in a variety of different ways and it talks about, um, you can read through it. It's on CNN right now, but it basically talks about the exposure of humans to pesticides and even in minute quantities and, uh, the relationship between that and a, uh, human health, uh, potential human health, uh, issue in this case, talking about, uh, male sperm counts and, and it's a potential influence on, uh, fertility in men who want to want to have children. So I've already had my children. I'm done. But if my, my son is a, is a male <laughs> and I want him to be able to do that, have, have children. And if he wants to do that, so this interests me, if it's true, I want to know about it. Right. And this is epistemology. I want to know, how do they know? My curiosity is, okay, I'm reading this. Um, I don't see anything in here. No, nothing I'm going to gain from a periodical like CNN is going to convince me one way or the other. It, to me, it's a much more, um, curious and, and I don't know, resistant to just instant information. I, I, he, they say this, another doctor could come on and say something completely different. Um, so, but they said it, it could be true. It could not be true. And, um, I want to know about it. So I went to the article, which a lot of people may do. I suspect a lot of people won't do, but when you click on, it says a study published Wednesday in the, on this link, a study published Wednesday in the journal of environmental health perspectives, examined 25 studies around the world on the two chemicals and included 20 studies in the meta meta analysis. Those studies looked at 42 different levels of impact among 1,774 men in 21 different study populations. Now, if you remember the first guest I had was my wife, the Dean or the research Dean here at UK for the college of dentistry. And we talked about the hierarchy of evidence and we, and we, uh, uh, differentiated the, uh, how to prioritize information. And on that podcast, you can go back and look at it. She talked about, um, the meta-analysis studies. So, and whenever we're talking about 
evidence. Evidence doesn't start until we publish something. Anything prior to that is the equivalent of opinion. So once we publish it, it goes into the body of evidence. And then above that comes in um, cohort studies and, and multi-location studies, longitudinal studies. And you keep going up the pyramid until you get to robust review analysis and meta-analysis of the data. So in this case, this article says clearly 20 studies in the meta-analysis. So from, from what we've already learned on the channel, that when the word meta-analysis is used in, a, in the term, in the context of um, publications, we're talking about a, a serious publication. It's not something that I just did, you know, with, you know, 20 or 30 patients in, in my lab or, you know, two or three studies on my lawn or something. This is a fairly robust study. It should be. And so um, I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but I, what, I, what I did was I clicked on the link. Earlier today, this link didn't work. So I have not had a chance to read through this entire article with much critical thought because I clicked on it. It didn't come up. I searched the authors. It didn't come up. I searched the title. I could not get it. I could not find it anywhere. And then about 20, 30 minutes before the show started tonight, I clicked on it and it popped up. So the uh, article is online and you can read it. It's called Adult Organophosphate and Carbamate Insecticide Exposure and Sperm Concentration, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis of the Epidemiological Evidence. So that's a really great title and um, it's free. You can download it for free. And um, I did download it. And I'm gonna briefly show you um, just a couple things. And so my, my position on this issue is completely neutral. I don't think it's true and I don't think it's not true. It just, it, it convinced me that I want to learn more about it because I don't want my son to be exposed to any products or any sort of risk that might result in harm to his well-being or him as a, as a human. Um, so I'm interested in it. But just because they said it on CNN or just because they said it on a website doesn't make it true. Even if they published in this literature, it doesn't make it true. But it certainly um, would be more, I'd be more inclined to be convinced if I'm reading it in a published refereed paper um, based upon how it was written and what they said. Now I've read it, uh, have not read it, you know, critically yet. I just, you know, scanned through it, and I will say that it's fairly convincing. Um, it, they did a pretty good job at explaining what they did and the 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 weight of the evidence and the quality of the evidence, the quality of the papers they reviewed, their their um, filtering out process of um, papers that did not um, meet their criteria for inclusion. Did a, a fairly good job of of presenting the the meta analysis accurately from the best that I can tell. So I'm starting to lean a little bit towards oh well they, that might be accurate. There might be something here between the exposure to pesticides and this potential health effect health problem in men. Um, not convinced by a long shot for me, but it certainly is you know strike you know uh, uh, score one on the side of potential convincing of me so it, it definitely it's a good article is my point it seems seems to be pretty solid um but i want to point out it, it, in the discussion of the this is the abstract in the discussion i want to point out i highlighted this one sentence and this is not to detract from the value of the article or to demean it or to um to i'm not trying to refute it at all they they it's in their own article it says right here this comprehensive investigation found sufficient evidence of an association between higher um, organophosphates and what's NMC, I forget, um, probably uh, whatever insecticide exposure, NMC insecticide exposure. 
oh, N-methylcarbamate insecticide exposure and lower sperm count concentration in adults. Now that sentence is correctly written. This comprehensive investigation found sufficient evidence of an association between, okay? There is an association clearly between the exposure to these two pesticides and a lower sperm count in men. Done. I will buy that. I know insecticides exist. I know sperm counts in men exist. And um, there, these, this paper shows there's a relationship between these two. It doesn't take much to convince me that that's possibly true at this point. Okay. There's a relationship there. I'm, I'm okay with that. Let's look at something else. Now, there's an article that was published in 2014 on a it's periodical called Deaths by Swimming Pool Drowning versus Nicolas Cage Films and Other Spurious Correlations. So this article uh, brings in various other correlations. And I just want to read through a couple of these graphs that I'm showing on screen. For those listening, I'm looking, I'm looking at an article. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to show these graphs. I'm not, and they're, they're line graphs. And the first one has years on the x-axis and deaths on the y-axis. And one line says the number of people who died by becoming tangled in their bed sheets. And the next line says total revenue generated by skiing facilities. And these two lines almost exactly correlate with each other. Meaning there is an extremely co a strong correlation between the total revenue generated by skiing facilities and the number of people who died by in bed at night by getting tangled in their sheets okay does one cause the other clearly not but there's a correlation let's go to look at the next one this one is years on the x-axis and the axis again and i don't know the y-axis but it looks like money and money on one y-axis and deaths on the other the u.s spending on science space and technology is one line and the line's going up over the years and the next line is suicides by hanging, strangulation, and suffocation. And they're literally almost identically correlated, meaning the correlation is probably 0.999 or something. So, and by these data, we shouldn't spend any money on science, space, and technology because there's a correlation between that and suicides by hanging, strangulation, and suffocation. Clearly, these two are unrelated, but there is a correlation. Okay. Let's go down to one of my favorite ones because I'm not a Nicolas Cage uh, fan of his movies, but I am a fan of Nicolas Cage as a, as a connoisseur of music. Um, this one has deaths on the y-axis and years on the x-axis. And the, and the one line says the number of people who drowned by falling into swimming pools over the years. And the next line is the number of films Nicolas Cage appeared in. And there's a very good correlation between these two. There's also a very good correlation between um, the times of the year that people eat ice cream and the times of the year that people die in drowning in swim pools. Is there, is there a cause there? Clearly there's no cause there. It just so happens that people tend to eat ice cream in the summertime and people tend to go swim in swim pools in the summertime. Okay. So I'm saying all that just to say this, I'm not saying that this particular um, article on CNN is, um, being dubious at all. Um, I'm not saying, but I'm, I'm, I'm also not saying that pesticides cause infertility or low sperm count in men. I'm not saying that. And neither are the authors. The authors of the article aren't saying that either. They're saying there's a, there's a relationship. There's clearly a documented relationship and you can go search this in the literature on, on the medical literature and there you'll find dozens of, well, maybe not dozens, but you'll find many, many papers on that same topic of 
of the relationship between um, pesticide exposures in either their uh, career or however they were exposed to it over the years by eating or versus not eating um, uh, foods that were, were grown under pesticide usage and infertility or low sperm count or some other health related issue. You'll find those correlations <clears throat> and there very well may be, may be a cause related there. maybe a, a source or a reason, you know, there may be indeed pesticides are causing that. That might be true. But I wanted to point that out when you start, when we're reading things and we're seeing things in turf grass literature, when you see a marketing sheet or you see, you know, a, a, someone give a presentation or whatever the case might be. And it says, uh, well, perfect example is our article that we did on, on water use in the golf course or nutrient use in the golf course. We had a correlation between people who take soil samples and people applying more nutrients. There's an association there, but on a podcast with, I think it was on the Grass Factor podcast months and last year sometime, I, I made it clear that we're not saying that soil sampling causes the application of more nutrients, although a case could be made that that's true. But we weren't saying that. We're just simply saying there's a relationship between these two that needs further investigation. And so when you see these things on the news, pesticides you know, are, are associated with this or with that. Well, do a little bit of work before you're convinced, you know, click on the link, read the article, see if it's a good article, see if it's a validly written and refereed article first. And if it is, okay, well, there's a little evidence there. Potentially there's a relationship there, but understand that correlation doesn't equal causation. So don't, don't be easily convinced by simply seeing something that, oh, that must make sense. Applying nitrogen results in, um, applying nitrogen is directly correlated to some increase in uh, microflora in an estuary somewhere. Well, that makes sense because nitrogen and phosphorus cause, and it can cause that, but it will, it can, but just because there's a relationship there doesn't mean that that's the cause from turf grass fertilizer, right? This is what's been going on in Florida for decades where the elected officials and, you know, environmentalists want to make a relation, want to, tie a connection between the application of nutrients to fertilizer and these um, increases in microflora and, and macroflora in our water bodies. Meanwhile, the evidence coming out now is, seems like it's actually pointing more towards septic systems, you know, potentially being the source or the ma major source of these issues, right? So, but the correlation, you know, people wanted to correlate it back then. It kind of starts to get into our vernacular. It starts to kind of get into our mind. Oh, there's clearly a relationship there. And so clearly there's a cause there. Well, hold on. You know, let's, we got to think through this critically. This is epistemology. How do we know that? We don't know that, right? The, 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 the way in which we become convinced one way or the other is to review the referee literature, not some marketing sheet on an environmentalist website somewhere or the reverse could be true a marketing sheet on a on a on a, a manufacturer distributor's website about some product i mean i'm not saying environmentalists are bad i mean I, I consider myself an environmentalist but at the same time you know we got we got to look at you know the, the the evidence not just what's presented in a periodical as evidence or they're trying to convince you of something don't be convinced until you see a little bit more evidence and that comes from refereed papers in most cases okay all right that's it about that let's get into the article because this article is um an article on my my least one of my least favorite topics which is thatch oh man somebody brought up thatch a couple of months ago what was it i can't remember who it was who was it, it was was it uh i don't know if it was turf therapy or 
cam. I can't remember who brought it up, but I was like, okay, I'll go over it. But man, I do not want to go over this thatched stuff. <laughs> it is so boring to me, but I'm doing it for you guys. Okay. I know it's important to you. It's just that this, this doesn't, it doesn't really tickle my fancy, but um, we'll get through it. We still got several more weeks. Just to give you an idea. I'm only going to go over um, this paper and then one tomorrow. And I have two next week for Thanksgiving week. We're going to be all, I'm going to be off on Wednesday or Thursday for Thanksgiving. And then I got four the following week. Okay. So that's seven more papers, right? On thatch. The one topic that I do not want to cover. Okay. Um, but I'm doing it. Having said that, there's another 25 refereed papers in my thatch folder on my, on my computer. Okay. So there's, you know, somebody who was really dedicated to the thatch. Maybe, you know, we can get them to come on as like a, a guest host for the week or something and just knock them all out because I can't do them all. Okay. <laughs> I could sit here and talk about nitrogen and phosphorus for 45 papers, but, but thatch is, uh, not my best topic. So, but I'm, I'll get through it. So we got another two or three weeks and, um, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll move on to another topic on that note on, before I get started in this article, um, on that note, I noticed, um, I had a, I had a, a meeting today, um, with, oh, by the way, um, the, uh, I have a, had a meeting on a consultation that I do. And if you, if you're interested in having a one-on-one -on -one with me, I always forget to mention this verbally because some people are listening. They're not watching. If, if you want to have a one-on-one -on -one consultation with me about your uh, soil or your nutritional programs or whatever it might be in turf grass, you can go to calendly.com slash Travis Shaddix and you can see my calendar. You can set up a time, uh, you, uh, anything that I put on my calendar it automatically blocks out that. So you won't see it won't be available to you. So any time that you see on calendly.com slash Travis Shaddix is a time that I'm available and you can sign up and follow the instructions and, um, it'll automatically put it on my calendar and we can meet and we can go over whatever program you want to go to. The reason I'm saying that is because the day I had one and the gentleman was talking about, um, he was asking about fertilizer and so forth. And part of his fertilizer program was iron. And he's saying, well, do I need this iron in there? And I noticed on the grass factor episode, I don't know, they posted it today or yesterday. I can't remember. Um, uh, they, they were talking about iron. And so then, and that's one of my little areas that I enjoy talking about. So, um, so Matt, Ryan and Ray for uh, today, I, I don't know when it was posted, but I noticed that today on their website, they were talking on their podcast, they were talking about it. So, and they talked about one of my articles that I, that I wrote. And so, and they did a good job of covering it. They, they covered it very, very, um, accurately. So thank you for doing that guys. Um, if, if I, there's, I don't think there's anybody watching me that doesn't watch them, but if you're watching this and you don't know who the grass factor is, um, you know, you, you can, uh, check them out. They're on a couple of days a week. You can go over and, and, uh, subscribe to their channel as well. They're, they're a little bit, um, more, uh, animated than I am, <laughs> but who isn't really, um, so anyway, the next topic will be iron because I th people are starting to think about next year's fertilizer blends and how they're going to make them up and blend them up. And in those blends, oftentimes is a component of iron. And uh, the evidence is extremely clear on this topic. It is very, very convincing evidence about what you should and should not do in relation to the inclusion or exclusion of certain iron sources in granular fertilizer versus foliar fertilizer. So, um, we got another two or three weeks on thatch and then, um, we're going to jump into iron and I'll stay on iron until Christmas probably. So for two or three weeks, I'll be on iron. Okay. So look forward to that in a couple, couple of weeks or so. 
All right, now let's get into the article. The article today that I'm going to be going over is this one. It's called Use of Fungal Lay Case to Facilitate Biodethatching, a new approach. Now, if you're anywhere in the universe of turf grass management, you've come across some sort of bugs in a jug product that claims to be able to control thatch. I've seen it for my entire career, basically 20, 25 years. Someone's got a bugs in a jug or someone's got potassium humate or someone's got something in a, bu- in a bottle somewhere that they claim uh, will reduce thatch. In reality, there are actually two products that will do this, okay? But when I say two products, I mean two active ingredients that have consistently over more than one location and more than one turf grass shown a beneficial impact on that either thatch development or just complete reduction of thatch altogether. Okay, this, this was published in 2012 Oh man, I hope I got the right paper. Did I get? Yeah, yeah, I got, yeah, this is. Hang on a second. Let me, let me go back to me. I want to make sure that I get the right paper here. Because I want to do these in order. This group out of Georgia. Um. I'm going to make sure that I got this right because I don't want to jump ahead in time. Yeah, okay, this is the right one. Okay, this group, this uh, research team out of Georgia, Sudeep Sidhu, I don't know how to pronounce the Chinese gentleman's name. I'm going to pronounce his last name as Wong. I don't know if that's right. I apologize if I'm butchering that name. And, of course, Bob Carroll and Paul Raymer. Um, if you don't know who Bob Carroll is and Paul Raymer, then you've been living under a rock somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> so, But if you don't know, those guys are... Uh, about as about as knowledgeable and, and rep, representative of pillars of this turf grass science community as you're ever going to find. I mean, I think Bob's books, two of his books, are on my shoulder, on my over my shoulder right here. So these guys are str- it's a strong team, and this team published at least three publications on thatch in this scenario, on this using this uh, concept. And but this was the first one. Uh, that that worked in the in the glass house. Now, if you've talked, if you've been on, on the channel before, you know that we generally in science won't go straight to the field, especially during discovery type research, because we don't really know what's going to happen. If we have no idea what's going to happen, we like to start in the lab or the greenhouse where we can control error and we can have more units. And then, kind of once we kind of figure out what's going on, we can move it to the field with those rates and products that kind of we we saw some effect, and then we can kind of see what happens in the field. That's what his the the more the two most current papers they published show. This is the first paper in the glass house. I'm going to go over all three papers, but this first paper in the glass house was really like, uh oh, something's going on here. You know, we need to investigate this further. And um, so I wanted to go over this paper first. Okay, so here we go. This was published in Hort Science in 2012. It's free, open access. You can go get this right now while I'm talking. Um, doesn't cost you a nickel. Okay, so as we go through here. You're going to see some whited out spots. That's just for me to, as you can tell, I meander through my, my verb, my language sometimes. It's just going to keep me on focus so I can get through this in a reasonable time. It's not anything blocked off intentionally just because it didn't think it was particularly crucial to the to conversation tonight. All right. The formation of thatch and mat layers is one of the major problems in management of modern turf grass golf greens. Thatch is a layer of organic matter that accumulates between soil and green turf grass and contains both living and dead plant tissues intermingled tightly with each other. Thatch consists of stolons, rhizomes, roots, crowns, tissue, oh, crown tissue, leaf sheaths, and blades. 
The matte layer is generally below the thatch layer and is distinguished from thatch by the presence of sand or soil intermingled with thatch as a result of cultural practices like coloration and top dressing. So have you ever heard of thatch layer or matte layer? They just describe the difference right there. High organic matter accumulation in the form of thatch mat causes problems such as decreased movement of oxygen through the thatch or matte zone, decreased saturation of hydraulic conductivity, and excessive water retention. So for those who might not be familiar with saturated hydraulic conductivity, what it means is it decreases the rate that water can move through the soil. That's what that means. So saturated hydraulic, it's the movement that how rapidly the water can actually move through the soil. It slows it down whenever you have a, 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 a mat layer begin to build up. Thatch management techniques, oh, I'm sorry, these primary problems may further lead to secondary problems like wet wilt, soft surface, black layer, which Dr. Barrett talked about just a day or two ago, limited rooting and extra or intercellular freezing damage. And they have some citations to support those claims. Thatch management techniques such as core aeration, vertical mowing, grooming, and top dressing are currently the most effective strategies to manage thatch mat buildup, but have shown contrasting results. Now, if you listen to me yesterday, I think it was yesterday or day before yesterday, I can't remember. I talked about, um, this, I'm a, this is my opinion based upon my knowledge of literature, it, thatch management is not like nitrogen management. It's not like um, cutting height management or something like that, where if you have a study in Orlando on... Um, you know, 419 Bermuda, and you say, oh, that, that the cutting height should be at 500, or it should, should be at half an inch for this fairway, and you can move it up to an inch in the first cut or whatever. You can kind of take that and move it to, you know, Southern California, and you know, the height of cut's probably about a half an inch on 419 and 250 on T's or whatever. You know, that, that's relative kind of to wherever you go. Nitrogen management rates, if it's half a pound to four pounds in Orlando, maybe it's you know, half a pound to two pounds in Atlanta or something, you know, but give or take, you're in the ballpark, right? Thatch doesn't work that way. What happens on thatch in Orlando is not always going to be known to occur in Oklahoma city or Denver or whatever, Seattle. It doesn't, it, it just, it, it's not as consistent in the literature as other management practices. And that's what he says right here, but have shown contrasting results. Okay, and, and I agree with that. It's just not consistent enough for me to say, yes, you should do this and you're going to see this happen. Okay, and, and he makes that very clear. It, it, this, the vertical mowing and core aeration and all these things do work. This is the most common strategies, but they, the results don't always, they're not always beneficial. Um, the odds are good that that's the best method to use, but it can't, I can't guarantee it's going to work for you. And the literature supports that. Several non-destructive thatch control studies using glucose cellulase solution and commercial inocula containing various microorganisms were ineffective in reducing the amount of thatch. And he quotes Burt's paper in the, the Murdoch Bar 76 paper and the Letta Bauer 70. We covered the 67 paper already. Um, I don't, this McCarty, this isn't a paper. This is his book. I don't like it when authors do that. No offense to the authors here. This is just his book. McCarty's 2005 um, Turfgrass Management book. It's not an article, but it is what it is. I, I went to look for it, and I didn't see that. He, McCarty does have many uh, papers, and several of them are on thatch, and which we will go over. He has an article on thatch that um, includes a product that the other articles don't include that is a benefit. So we will go over one of Bert's papers. Uh, anyway, so they're just saying that non-destructive control measures have not really shown uh, they've been ineffective in the past. Okay, so the, the, the cultural management practices work, but sometimes it doesn't, it's not always consistent. Uh, 
the the um, non-destructive methods, bugs in the jug, and all these other things. We've looked at those, and they're they're ineffective. They haven't really shown much benefit at all. Okay, so where do we go? The form and he'll get to that in a second. The formation of thatch mat layer is the result of a greater rate of organic matter accumulation than degradation, and which I just mentioned yesterday. Anytime thatch and above ground material is growing faster than it's degrading, you're going to have accumulation of biomass above ground. Most microbial degradation mechanisms are restricted by the presence of lignin. Now we've heard this phrase. Uh, 50 times in the last three days. Lignin is the problem. It's extremely resistant to decomposition by microbial activity. Microbes do not break that down near as rapidly as the other plant parts. And the stems are high in lignin. The stolons are high in lignin. The rhizomes are high in lignin compared to the leaves. A plant cell, okay, plant cell constituent. The slow decomposition of soil lignin has long been recognized. Lignin limits the accessibility of microbial degradators to more biodegradable plant parts such as cellulose and hemicellulose. So as we mentioned yesterday, there's sort of, it's not fair to say this, but I'm going to use it just for simplicity purposes. Thatch is made up of many, many parts, but if we can group them together in easily soluble and insoluble components, easily soluble are things like leaves where they break down very quickly. Insoluble components are things that contain lignin. And those are the, the, that's the part that we really want to focus on when we're talking about thatch management, because the soluble portion like leaves, they're going to break down anyway, quickly, very quickly. And they'll be gone. They won't really contribute to the thatch buildup. It's the, it's the lignin containing components of the plant that continue to build and build if they're not being broken down at the rate they're growing. Natural degradation of lignin occurs in the environment by certain white root, right, white rot fungi which solubilizes and mineralizes lignin with the help of lig- lignolytic enzymes. So they're saying that this fungus exudes an enzyme, basically, or contains an enzyme that helps break down lignin, okay, naturally. In addition to that, the presence of naturally occurring, I can't say this word, guacanol. <laughs> I don't know how you say that. Guacol, guacol, I don't know how you pronounce this word. And synthetic hydro, hydrozybenzotriazole. I don't even know how to pronounce that word either. Sorry, I'm completely butchering that. But these two compounds in naturally occurring chemicals, known as mediators, have been shown to enhance the activity of lignolytic enzyme lacase. So we have lacase, which is um, uh, contained inside in a, in a white rot, right, white rot fungi. And we have another naturally occurring um, compound that is a mediator that is supposedly intended to um, enhance the activity of lacase. Now we're going to find in this paper, it didn't do anything. That particular component didn't do anything, but that's the reason why they included it because it was thought or assumed at some point that it might actually enhance the influence of lacase on thatch degradation. So his hypothesis is we hypothesize that the use of lignin degrading enzymes, such as fungal lacase, can effectively reduce the rate of thatch layer accumulation on golf greens. Now, if you want to know how to write a freaking hypothesis, write it like this, scientists. You don't write hypothesis that cannot be falsified. This hypothesis can be falsified. The hypothesis that the that the use of lignin degrading enzymes such as fungal lacase can effectively reduce the rate of thatch layer accumulation. So I can imagine a way in which that can be falsified. I can put it out. I can measure the, the thatch degradation. And if it doesn't get reduced, that hypothesis is falsified. This is the way hypotheses should be written. <laughs> okay. The objective 
of our studies were, and the objectives are the same way. This, these are good, strong objectives that can clearly be measured and can clearly be falsified. It's not uh, to investigate nitrogen on turf grass. That's not a hypothesis. That's not an objective. Okay. <laughs> we need to know how the objective needs to contain a measurable, falsifiable, you know, verbiage or language. The objectives were to determine if degradation of soil organic matter can be enhanced by lay case application. Okay, so can degradation be enhanced? To determine if addition of guacol enhances lay case effic efficacy in organic matter. And to determine if application of lay case enzyme and guacol adversely affect turf quality. So they want to know, can these compounds influence the turf uh, thatch? And if so, does it have... A positive or negative influence on quality because i don't care well, i can put out 40 different products right now that'll take care of that thatch in you know a month but the grass will be dead so it doesn't make any difference so their point was will it have a beneficial impact on on thatch and what will be the result on turf quality great i love good research science teams <laughs> and this team and i'm sorry sudeep i think i think he was at you um, might still be at uf in north florida i but i'm sorry i don't know him that well I don't know him at all, and I don't know this author at all, but these two guys, Bob Carroll and Bahal Raymer, are as good as you're going to get in the world of turf grass management. Not just the science that they put out, not just the, 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 uh, the students that they put out, but just their demeanor, the quality of work that they do, their leadership in our, um, um, our turf grass science is virtually unsurpassed, Okay very good team and you would expect um, hypotheses and objectives just like this coming from a team that contains and you and includes uh, researchers of their stature so well done the whole team it's already a good start for me and you all know i'm, I'm benefit I'm, I'm positive I'm, I'm complimentary but i've also been very vicious on some articles as you probably know some of the articles in the past i've, I've ripped apart because they were horribly written sorry this one is not one of those okay so it's a it's a well-written paper a greenhouse experiment was conducted using crenshaw creeping bent grass that's what that's what we're starting with was uh, uh, crenshaw creeping bent at the university of georgia on the griffin campus okay 2008 to 2009 all pots were established in june 2008 and grown under management conducive to thatch development in a controlled environment greenhouse for about four months before initiation of treatments so they grew it for about four months and they really tried to increase the thatch um uh, development during that time. Okay. Um, I'm just, okay. Um, the four lay case activity levels were zero. So they have a non-treated control. This is going to be critical because you have to remember they're in the greenhouse. They don't even know if lay case does anything yet. They haven't, they don't know. No one's known at this point. They, they've probably been, might've been hits and misses here and there, but no, at this point you have to understand their perspective and I'm not going to re try to read their mind, but I'm, if I was in their shoes, I can think, I don't even really know if this works. I might've done a brief little pilot study and saw something, but I'm not sure. So they have to use, they're, they're going to say, okay, we're going to put this out and let's say they put it out. I'd like to say Tylenol. I've used this example a hundred times. Let's say, okay, well, I think Tylenol might get rid of my headache, but what if I just use a fraction of 0.1 nanometer nanograms of it and you did that and the whole study was on that and you go well the tylenol doesn't do anything it's horrible throw it away well it's because you didn't use the right dosage and in this case they don't even know if it works so they have to use these dosages a, a, a rate study essentially and they have to use rates that are well above 
what you would expect to see a response from. So they at least see something happen and then they can back it down to a, a more calibrated level. So don't take these rates. I've said this before, don't take these rates in these studies and go, oh, they use 20.6 units per square, square centimeter. So that we should do. No, no, no. Oh, they use 15 pounds of nitrogen per thousand. No, 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 no. Okay. We're trying to figure out rates and that's what they're doing. They're trying to figure out rates. So they use a non-treated control 0.2 and two. I'm just going to use round numbers. 0.2, 2, and 20 units per square centimeter of guacol, uh, oh, of, uh, of the lacase. And then the guacol levels are 0 and 0.1 molar. Okay, so they used 1, 2, 3, 4, four levels of lacase and 2 levels of the other compound that was intended to enhance the lacase efficacy. The experimental design was a random, okay, I'm not going to go through that, da, 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 two and nine months, 40 millimeter solution of the different, okay, that, I don't know why I highlighted that, that's sort of too much information, I think. Okay, the control plots were treated equivalent, okay, when they put these out, they, oh, no, one now, they put these out in, in liquids, in aliquots, 40 millimeter solutions of different lacase activity levels in 10 milliliters of glycol solution. Okay, so they put these on these um, pots in the greenhouse with liquid, with water, in the, in water, and then... They, they, the control pots that didn't receive any of the product, they still put the same amount of distilled water on the pot. You might go, if I'm going to put this in 10 mils, I'm going to squirt a little bit of a lay case on these, on this turf grass in 10 milliliter solutions. It's not a lot. I mean, it's like, you know, the size of your thumb, maybe in, in the volume. I'm going to, why do I need even need to bother putting that on the non-treated control pot? You know, that's no big deal. It is a big deal. This is the way research is supposed to be done. Even on the non-treated pots, you still need to put the same amount of carrier volume of liquid that you used as carrier volume for the treatment. And that's particularly relevant when we get to the iron studies because some iron is going to be in that water. And if you're going to use the water to put on the iron and you're not going to use the water on the control plot, then you could be unknowingly biasing your study and this is another example why i do not recommend or condone people going out and doing their own research because if you don't know how to do it and you're not properly trained on how to do it right you're going to be convinced on whatever you see happen and whatever you see happen might have been skewed because you didn't know how to set up the study correctly so that's the reason i highlighted this in red i wanted to point this out as yet another example of a research team knowing what they're doing and you might not if you're not properly trained on how to properly conduct research trials now the last thing i want you to do is go out and do it wrong and then be more convinced that your findings are correct because then it's even more difficult to change your mind back Me meanwhile if you'd have done it correctly the results might have been different Okay, so just be mindful of that when you want to go out and do your own research. You got to be very careful to set it up correctly. Okay, the lacase enzyme from this particular um, organism, a white, white, I cannot say that word, white rot fungus, <laughs> it's hard to say, was purchased from Sigma Aldrid. This is a company that sells chemicals for, for um, in the world of science. Okay, so they bought the lacase from a, a well-established company that, that provides a very pure product. Measurements. Okay. Effectiveness of treatments was determined by measuring organic matter. And then you're going to see OM, organic matter, for a depth of this. Organic layer thickness will be designated as OL. So when you see OL, it's organic layer thickness. 
And then you're going to see extractive free acid soluble lignin. So soluble lignin is going to be L sub S and insoluble lignin is going to be L sub I. That's going to be, you're going to see that on the next couple tables. Total lignin was obtained by addition of these two, two sub soluble and insoluble. After nine months of treatment uh, application, some additional variables were measured. The organic layer thickness, OL, was subdivided into thatch layer thickness, so OL sub T, and matte layer thickness, OL sub M. It gets a little, it's a little complicated here, but whereas organic matter was subdivided into 0 to 2.5, so 0 to 1 inch and 1 to 2 inch depths to more accurately reflect the effectiveness of lay case on thatch and matte layer. So they, in other words, they started it and they decided later to go ahead and, and split it up a little bit and get a little bit more precise or more fine-tuned on what they're actually finding. And then uh, saturated hydraulic conductivity, which is a movement of water through the soil, was also measured after nine months. Uh, da -da. What's the luck? Okay, so the organic layer, the organic layer of the thatch, and the organic layer of the mat um, were measured from seven different locations around the edge um, of the plant root masses. So, so remember um, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, Dr. Brent talked about measuring the thatch around with a, with a caliper. I talked about that on my thatch paper. We talked about different ways of measuring thatch. You measure it with a caliper around there and you get the average of the measurements around the thatch. That's what they did in terms of measuring the thickness of the thatch. So very proper method. Turf quality. Turf quality was measured bi-weekly. Visual turf quality ratings were rated on the basis of... You know, so somebody the other day asked me about how do you measure turf? What goes into turf quality? Why is it... It's, it's subjective, but it's so subjective. Da, 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 da. It is subjective, but there still is a structure to our madness and we, we do follow a criteria. And here they kind of define that a little clearer than other papers have. Visual turf quality ratings were rated on the basis of color, shoot density, and uniformity. So those three factors were included in their quality rating. Uh, on a numeric scale where one equals no live turf and nine equals ideal dark green uniform turf. And then they also measure grass index color with an instrument, objective measurement of the, of the using the instrument. Okay, let's get to the results. Okay, so real quick, so just back up. They have um, a putting green grass in Georgia. They're applying a enzyme called lacase with another component that is supposed to enhance the activity of lacase. They're they're applying it at four different rates, and they want to measure the influence on thatch thickness, organic matter, um, turf quality. It's pretty straightforward. In the results, we observed an overall increase in organic matter from the zero to two inch depth and organic layer, the organic layer thickness, in all treatments between the two sampling dates. So the, in, the organic matter percentage and the organic matter depth went up on all treatments. In other words, it got thicker. However, accumulation of organic matter in the zero to two inch depth and the organic layer thickness was significantly lower in treatments containing a lay case when compared with the control. I'm gonna show you this in a minute. What it's saying is all of them went up the thicknesses went up with all treatments. The thatch got thicker with all treatments. It just didn't get as thick or as dense or with organic matter with the lay case as opposed to not including the lay case. So in other words, the lay case slowed the accumulation of the thatch. Okay. When compared with the control, the rate of accumulation of organic matter, I'm not going to read this because it's going to get a little complicated, but I want you to know where the results are because I'm going to show you. But the rate of accumulation of organic matter zero to two inches was reduced from 15. I'm not even going to read that because you're going to get, it's going to get confusing. I'm going to show it to you in a table. Okay. I'm going to show you this. These results, I'm going to show exactly what they're talking about here in the table. But if you want to know where to read it, it's in this paragraph. Um, 
Okay, and I'm gonna show you the table in just a second. That was in table two, I think it was. Table two right here. Okay, and then I'm gonna go to table three as well. Compared with the control, treatments with 20 units of um, per square centimeter of lay case without this guacol for two months significantly lowered the um, soluble lignin by this unit and, sol and the insoluble lignin by that unit and the total lignin by this unit. So, it's the, so the highest rate of lay case reduced the lignin content, both the soluble and insoluble content. Okay, okay, let's get to table two. So what he's talking about in table two, okay, I'm not going to be able to increase this anymore. It's going to go off the screen. Is the organic layer thickness and the organic matter percentage in the top two inches after two and nine months of different treatment applied to creeping bent grass. So what he's saying here, for the, I'm going to try to describe this for those listening who aren't watching, is that at two months with nothing being applied, the organic layer thickness was 48 millimeters. At nine months, it was 69 millimeters. So it went up, okay? And you're going to see all of these values went up, whether they used whatever treatment, the, the 0.2 lay case, the two lay case with the guacol, the two lay case without the guacol, 20, all of these went from 47, 45, 47. All of them go up to 68, 67, 67, 63. They all... The thatch got thicker on all treatments. But when you look at the increase from 48 to 69 is whatever that is, 20. Let's let's call it 20. So let's call this increase 20. Maybe they should have put a column here that had, had the increase or decrease. Let's call this increase 20. Correct me in the, that in the thing if I'm wrong here. Or whereas when they applied only 0.2, the increase was uh, 20. Two or something like that. Okay, 22. So it went from 45 to 65, let's say 67. Not much happened there. But look what happens when they applied two. They went from 0.2 lay case to two lay case, two, uh, lay case per, per square centimeter. It went from 48 to 59, so 11. And you'll see here that this um, letter here, is an A, and this letter here is a B and C and a C and a D. So this is where they started to differentiate in the in the in this in the accumulation of thatch. I'm gonna get that off here because it started looking weird. Uh, but but that's this this two number is sort of the magic zone where they found actually had a beneficial impact on the rate of accumulation. Okay, the rate of thickness. So it still got thicker. It just it just didn't get as thick. So it's having an effect. It just it's not going down. The, the thatch thickness isn't going. It's not getting thinner. It's still growing. It's just not growing near at the same rate. At the two at using this rate here, the two, whatever that was. The I can't remember the unit there. Okay. When you look at the organic matter, it's essentially the same thing. Where the rate of increase. With nothing went from 33 to 49, which is whatever that is, uh, 16. And with the two units of lay case, it went from 32 to 41, which is which is nine. So it went from 16 to nine, the rate of increase. So it so it reduced that quite a bit. Okay. Whereas you look at all these in the middle here, the the rate of the rate of reduction wasn't much at all. It was when you got to that that specific rate. Same thing with Tylenol. When you got to that that particular dosage of Tylenol. That's when you saw the headache start to get declined. Anything less than that, it didn't have an effect. And that's the same thing here with the lay case. So they found the rate, or at least they found a rate that 
resulted in a decrease or resulted in an effect. And that was this 2.06 per square centimeter of lay case. Okay. So you'll still see an increase in thatch. It just won't be near as much. So let's look, look what happened with table three, where you're talking about the lignin. Now with the lignin, it's a little bit, um, they talked about the 20 units. So it wasn't the, tw the, the two that showed a reduction or a reduction in the rate of growth of thatch. It was the 20 that showed a reduction in the lignin content. So you still had to get the, num the, the concentration or the amount on the ground much higher in order to get the uh, effect on the lignin, okay? And so you'll see that right here where you see uh, the acid-soluble lignans. Um, well, you do see an influence right here with this, this one, but you do see that it's the 20 where you start to see the Ds separate from the As and the Bs and the Cs right here, okay? That's when you really start to see the reduction at the two months. And, the, and even here, here's, this is clearer here. See these little A's from, no, from the non-treated to the 0.2 to the 2? All these little A's are the same. And it's right here where the, um, the reduction in um, acid-insoluble lignin really is, a, is statistically and even biologically significant. So you had to get that rate much higher to see an effect on the lignin. And the same thing as occurs here, where you see A's and B's on the on the non-treated, on the total lignin at two months, it was A's and B's. And it wasn't until you got to the unit of 20 units per square centimeter where you saw it affect the total lignin content. So it's still having an effect on the total lignin content. You just got to get the concentration much higher. Okay. Okay. So that's a good thing. They, they've discovered in the greenhouse that... An application of two units per square centimeter had an influence on the rate of uh, rate of thatch production. It lowered the rate of growth, and the application of twenty actually had an impact on the lignin. The two didn't have much of an impact on the lignin, but the twenty did have an impact on lignin. But one way or the other, they've documented that this compound lacase is having a beneficial impact on thatch thickness, thatch. Uh, mass, the organic matter, I'm sorry, the organic matter, and the lignin. Okay. Let's see what happened on the turf quality. No significant difference in visual quality ratings were observed among the treatments except for the data collected after 38 weeks from the two units per square centimeter of the lay case, which exhibited a slight but significant reduction in turf quality when compared to the control. So all they're talking about is this right here. Okay. So right here on the week 38, they showed a slight reduction from 8.5 to 8.1. So they showed an A versus a B. So the quality went from an 8.5 to an 8.1. Now, I've been doing this for a long, long time, okay? I would bet that 45 times out of a 50, I would not be able to tell the difference between an 8.5 and an 8.1 on a turf. I was out there looking at turf, and you ask me which one's an 8.1 and an 8.5, I bet I would get it wrong 90% of the time. I couldn't tell the difference. You wouldn't, I wouldn't know. You would just be a shot in the dark. I mean, you know, there'd be a, it'd be a flip of the coin. In other words, even when Lacase had a, 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 a result in, a resulted in a reduction in turf quality, it was still very good quality of an 8.1. And the reduction, in my opinion, was not biologically significant. It was 0.4 units. It wasn't even a, ha a half of a point in the, on the turf quality scale. Okay, so based upon these find, and you'll notice across the entire turf quality table here, we're looking at whether it was 
um, weeks two all the way up to week 38 or all the whole thing, all the turf was very good. There was never a time when the turf was not acceptable. The only time when there was a reduction from the application of Lacase, it was insignificant biologically. You're not, so that's a good thing. So we got two good things. We got one thing where we're working on the thatch and we got another metric that we're measuring that we don't want it to affect at all having virtually no effect on it whatsoever. And even when it did, it was not biologically significant, not near to the point where you'd even notice it in the field. So this is good information. This was published when? 2012, 11 years ago, 12 years ago. So this has been out there. I just don't know if people know about it. So good thing. Okay. Keep in mind, there's two more papers I'm going to go over on this exact topic by these same exact authors that are even more convincing than this. Uh, figure one, I just wanted to point out that on figure one, we're talking about thatch, uh, they're getting like thatch and the mat thickness. And they're talking about, um, thickness on the, I'm looking at a figure here. I can zoom in on this guys. If you haven't, if it doesn't show up the, uh, thatch thickness, very similar to what we talked, talked about just there in the table, but we have the enzymatic treatments on the, on the X axis and on the Y axis, you have the thickness of the thatch and we show the organic layer mat and the organic layer thatch and nothing affected the mat. You'll see all these are A's. And then nothing affected the thatch uh, from the control to the zero to the 0.2 to the 0.2 until you get to the two units per square centimeter, right? Here's where the, where the thatch turns from an A to a B. Okay. So again, more evidence that, you know, there is uh, an impact on the thatch thickness. Uh, this was the thickness, thickness of the thatch, but not on the mat per se, but on the thickness of the thatch that two units per square centimeter seems to be having a bit of the impact that we're wanting to have. The, and the same thing happens on, I can't get it on the screen. I'll have to zoom this out. The same thing happens over here on the mass where you're talking about milligrams per gram. This is the organic matter also. So it's percentage. So the organic matter percentage from in the top uh, two inches on the, sorry, the top one inch and in the, in the one to two inch depths, you'll see the two units per square centimeter is where you see the reduction in uh, the organic matter in the top two of the top one inch where all these are A's. And then here's where you see the B's start to come up. Here's where you see a reduction. Okay. And when it, when the lay case gets from a lower concentration to the con to the higher concentration of two units per square centimeter. So very well done. I'm going to move, move a little more quick on the, this last part here, because basically it just says the same thing. Saturated, saturated hydraulic conductivity was also beneficially impacted. This graph here that we're looking at shows really no impact at all with the control um, with 0.2 units. But when you get to the two units, you start to see the saturated hydro hydraulic conductivity go from about six or seven from non-treated to about 11 centimeters per hour. So you're looking at doubling the saturated hydraulic conductivity with two units of the lay case. And then when you add this guacol, you really see it shoot up to 25, 25, 30 units or uh, centimeters per hour. Sorry. I'm not sure exactly what happened there, but, um, there, there, this shows a beneficial impact of the guacol in that regard, but that's, I think it's the only time that this other component had any benefit or any effect at all on the, um, components that they measured. Um, this is all just basically what I just said. I'm not going to go through it again. The, yeah. So the lowest level of lay case proved to be ineffective treatment, even after nine months. So the low, lowest unit of lay case didn't do anything. If that's all they had chosen, they would say, Hey, lay, lay case doesn't do anything. They shelve it. Well, they used two or three units, two or three concentrations above that and found out indeed there was a concentration that did affect it. 
Lakecase application had only a minor influence on TurfQuest quality, which is what I just showed in the TurfQuest quality uh, table. Treatment duration. If Lakecase was effective in enhancing organic matter degradation, it would seem reasonable to expect that effects would become more apparent over time. Samples were analyzed after two and nine months of treatment application. Lakecase activity levels of 0.2 and 2 units per square centimeter area were continued for nine months. It was observed that treatment duration and the interaction of treatment duration with Lakecase treatments had a significant effect on organic matter in the top two inches. Okay. So it's having an it's having an effect that we that would we would deem to be useful for us as turf grass managers. And the last part here in the conclusions, yeah, that's all I'm going to go over. And then the last part of the conclusions is several non-destructive studies in the past using different treatments like sugars, which we're going to go into. There is actually a sugar. I don't know how. I wish I'd get the author on here and explain it to me because you're adding carbon to a, to a high carbon to nitrogen environment, but whatever. There's a treatment like sugars, mixed mixtures of sugars and microba inocula and some enzymes like cellulase provide uh, proved to be ineffective. So several non-destructive studies have shown these d are not effective. Since this was published, there's another publication that included a sugar that did show uh, statistically uh, significant influence using a type of sugar. So I want to make sure that's clear that when this was written, that hadn't been published yet. I'll get to that paper. I, I can't promise I'm going to be able to accurately explain it, <laughs> but I will. I will read it. Uh, most of these studies intended to increase microbial populations to degrade organic matter. However, it is difficult to maintain higher microbial populations over sustained periods of time under field turf grass management systems as a result of in the inability to maintain proper microenvironment conditions required by particular microbial populations. In other words, microbial populations in the, need, in, the, in the environments you need to maintain to keep these alive are not as easy in the field, Okay. You know, you, you can't, it's, it's much more difficult than it might seem. I mean, you know, I was going to say something else, never mind. Another reason that such studies were ineffective may be that they were focused on degradation of cellulose and hemicellulose by using cellulase enzyme and by increasing bacterial populations. Whereas our hypothesis is that lignin degradation will open cell wall structure of the thatch biomass, hence making cellulose and hemicellulose more available for further micro microbial degradation. So let me explain that. Past studies would look at breaking down the most soluble component, cellulase. I'm sorry, cellulose and hemicellulose. It didn't break down. Basically, they're looking at the, the past studies looked at breaking down, breaking out the windows of your house. Whereas this study is looking at cracking the entire foundation of your house open and splitting your house in half and getting all that rain and all that heat and all that stuff in your house and starting to weather down your house and break it all apart as opposed to just cracking your windows open, which is the easy part to break open of your house. So the past studies looked at like nicking little pieces off the easy, you know, getting the low hanging fruit, but that's not really destroying the foundation of your house. This study using lay case is looking at completely splitting open your house, exposing it to the environmental conditions and the microbial activity that would then further and more rapidly break down that house, the house being lignin. Okay. In our study, we use the end product from our white rot fungi, Tremates versicolor, um, versicolor, I, can't remember, I don't know how to pronounce that, the lacase enzyme. So they use the lacase enzyme, which is stable over a wide pH in temperature to degrade lignin and to facilitate dethatching. 
This greenhouse research demonstrates that bi-weekly applications of Lakase enzyme at two units per square centimeter can be effective in reducing the rate of accumulation of organic matter in highly maintained turf. However, low activity levels of Lakase of 0.2 units per square centimeter were ineffective in reducing the rate of thatch accumulation. Lakase application had little effect after two months, but significantly reduced organic matter after nine months. So let me go back and read this real quick. Is that, um, uh, I was going to, uh, oh, I thought I was to degrade. Like, this greenhouse research demonstrated that biweekly application of Lakase enzyme at two units can be effective at reducing oh, the rate of accumulation of organic matter. That's what I wanted to point out. They're talking about not reducing the organic matter. They're talking about reducing the rate of accumulation. Okay. Now, in a future paper, which um, I'll probably get to next week or the week after, no, next week's Thanksgiving, uh, the week after Thanksgiving or, or thereabouts, has actually, if I remember correctly, I haven't read that paper in a year or two, but if I remember correctly, actually does have some evidence that shows it actually does reduce some of the organic matter, not just the rate of accumulation. But keep in mind, don't misread this when you say, oh, it has, an, it has a beneficial effect. It does, but it has a beneficial effect on the rate of accumulation. It's still going to accumulate in this paper, according to this paper, organic matter and thatch thickness are still going to increase. It's just you're going to they're going to increase at a much lower rate okay so if you've heard of these products with bugs in a jugs and um, microbial inocula and mixtures of sugars and all these other compounds are going to dethatch and you can apply this um, bio dethatch or whatever most of that is not supported by evidence i'm not convinced it, it they work and i'm not convinced they don't work in other words i'm not here to prove them wrong i'm not here to you know, to refute them. It's just, there's no, there's not any convincing evidence to indicate that they're, they're, they're correct. But this is, or was when it was published, was one of the first studies is like, man, this was just like the study that I just showed at the beginning where they're talking about, you know, um, uh, 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 pesticides and, you know, in male infertility. Well, that might be true, but is it really? And, start, and I read it and I'm like, well, that actually might be true. And the same thing happened here with me when I read this paper the first time years ago. I was like, man, this is pretty good. I mean, this is a pretty well done study. And although I, I don't want to be resistant to change, I want to be open to complete changing my mind if the evidence is there to support that. And this paper forced me to realize my flaw in my thinking. And that was, I was resistant to this concept because it was so different from some of the other papers that have been published where it's like no do this and do that and you know and you know and top dress and this works and this works and nothing really works chemically this one shows that there might be some benefit there and i noticed i was i was resistant to it right you shouldn't ever hold on to any scientific belief so strongly that you wouldn't um, happily give it up in the face of supporting evidence and convincing evidence. And I, I did not fall into that category. I was resistant. And over the time they published more papers and published more papers. And this first paper, it hasn't really changed from this first paper. It's only been accumulation of supporting evidence since then. And it, 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 you know, it taught me a lesson is that if the evidence is there, it's there. And this is a good paper that should, if you're not convinced, that's fine. I wasn't convinced either at first, but it, 
you'll see in the next couple of weeks, we're going to build on this and build on this. And it's constantly this lay case enzyme, but all these other ones, I'm not saying they don't work all these, you know, microbial billions of microbes in a jug and they're going to break down the thatch. I'm not saying they don't work. I'm just saying I have zero reason to believe they do work and therefore I'm not convinced they do work, but this, it doesn't take much now for me to be convinced if your product contains a component of lay case at a rate that is high enough according to the uh, recommended uh, label, recommended application rate. If you're getting those two units per square centimeter down at that rate, then I'm pretty convinced that you're probably going to see a beneficial reduction in the rate of accumulation. But the same product applied at 0.2 isn't going to do it, which is what they showed. And it's what they're going to continue to show when we go to the field. They're going to take this work in, the, in Georgia and they're going to go in the field and see what happens in the field. And that's the future. That's the next couple of papers. Well, I'm not going to go into it very next paper, but in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to cover those two papers that continue to build my confidence and hopefully maybe build your confidence that this product might actually have some benefit and some value in turf grass management when it comes to thatch control. Okay. Um, let me go to the chat real quick. Uh, let's look. Um, Western Mass Turf, what's, okay, this question from, I don't know if it's to me, what's your opinion on gypsum over a septic system for suppression of salt? I'm not a septic system professional. I don't know what you would do to, uh, I don't know why you'd want to play gypsum to suppress salt. Gypsum is a salt. I'm not sure how that would, I don't know how adding a salt would suppress a salt, but I don't, I don't know. I'm not a septic, septic system person. I will say in the world of turf grass management, gypsum is useful for basically two things. And that is remediation of sodic soils. And more recently in my world is the alleviation of sulfate deficiencies. It will, um, have a beneficial, you'll see a beneficial response in turf grass in locations where the turf grass is um, unacceptable as a result of a reduction in sulfate. So those are two times when you could use gypsum in turf grass, but I don't know about septic systems. Uh, okay. Ba -da -da, ba -da -da. Oh, Todd Lowe says, uh, <laughs> Bert McCarty. Um, well, if, if you can give Bert a call, maybe I can give him a call, see if he'll come on. Um, I, I don't know. I would love to have Bert on. I'd, he could come on anytime he wants. Uh, he, yeah, I'd, I'd have to be prepared for him for sure. <laughs> I mean, not that he would be, I mean, he's a very easy person to talk to, but he's, uh, he's much more knowledgeable on these issues than I am. Uh, let's see it. Uh, the last couple of comments. How many years, doctor, how many, I'm, how many Western master says, how many years, Dr. Chikes, I bet you beat me. I'm at 17 years in the field. Oh, how many years I've been in the industry? I, well, it depends on when you start, when, when you count go, when do you, when, when do you consider me to start? I was pushing a lawnmower up and down on Shawnee, Broadway, Oklahoma, Shawnee, Broadway, 1921 North Broadway in Shawnee, Oklahoma. I was pushing a lawnmower up down that, that street when I was probably eight. So 1984, uh, if you count that, then it's, uh, 39 years, but I'd push that, I'd push that the lawnmower. That's the old days when you bag grass and I'd put the lawn, the, the uh, trash can on the mower with my, and put the gas can in the trash can and I'd push it down the street and I'd knock on a lady's door and just kind of mow your lawn for five bucks or whatever it was. And they'd say no. And I'd push it down there and I'd pack it, you know, and that's the way I, that's the way I did lawns for, for many years. 
And the only reason I did that is so I could get enough money to go snow skiing. <laughs> and then I got hooked up with a guy from the church and I started mowing lawns with him. His name was Jesse Deer. I mowed lawns with him. And then I mowed lawns with another guy named Delbert Toddy. I mowed lawns with him for ages and ages for years when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. And then I mowed, uh, then I maintained some grounds at Oklahoma Baptist University when I was in teen, my teen years. But I don't know if you really count that as in the turf industry. And that was just when I was maintaining turf as a, just to make some extra money. I don't know if you really count that as professional turf management. Um, but yeah, I guess if you count that, then it'd be since 1984. But if you don't count that, I'd say since, um, you know, as professional, as a educator and a student of science, I'd say since 1997, something like that. That's when I got into uh, the university level and really started studying and learning it and, you know, being professionally trained in the field of turf science and so forth. So depends on when you say go. <laughs> uh, okay. Tomorrow morning, I'll be back in 12 hours. I do another, I'll do it for those of you who might be new to, new to the show. I come, I'm on Monday, uh, Tuesday and Thursday mornings at 10 AM and I'm on Wednesday nights at 9 PM for the most part. And that'll be the same case, uh, tomorrow morning. I do not have any unique music to play tonight as I close. Um, but, uh, I will, if that's of interest to anybody, I don't know if my, my musical taste is a little bit out there. So I don't know if that's, uh, annoying to you all or not, but I will just say this. Thank you all for showing up. It really does mean a lot to me. I think we had uh, 18, 19, 20 people here tonight. Um, I, I'm still blown away at how kind you all are and that you want to sit here and, and spend an hour of your life and Wednesday evening, listen to me go over these articles. Um, I'm, I'm very humbled that you all would, you know, spend some time of your life, um, and, and, and include me in it. And, and, um, hopefully you find this, um, helpful to you all and you can find it you know, to be uh, more, even more efficient in what you do. So with that guys, I will let you go. I'll be back in about 12 hours, um, to, uh, go over some more thatch stuff. We have uh, thatch for the next six or seven papers and, um, then we'll, we'll move on to another topic, but until then, until tomorrow morning, thanks a bunch. I'll see you in about 12 hours.